You're listening to the Opportunity Zones and Private Equity Show. Listen in for news and insights on how Opportunity Zones, private equity funds, and private real estate can help you grow your wealth. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Welcome to the show. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. The first residential PACE financing program started taking root in California about 15 years ago, but has since expanded to more areas of the country. And PACE continues to gain momentum now in the commercial real estate industry. CPACE financing is becoming a more important part of the capital stack as traditional lenders pull back in today's high interest rate environments. What's more, CPACE oftentimes can pair nicely with Opportunity Zone projects and securitized CPACE financing can be considered a nice asset class for high net worth investors. Joining the show to discuss CPACE financing with me today is Alexandra Cooley, co-founder and chief investment officer of Nuveen Green Capital. Ali joins us today from New York City. Ali, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Absolutely. Well, great to uh, have you here. And I'm looking forward to diving into PACE because frankly, I don't really know a whole lot about it. It's come up a few times before on this podcast, but today we're going to be taking a deep dive into what exactly property assessed clean energy means, how real estate developers can take advantage of PACE, why it oftentimes pairs so well with opportunity zone development deals, and, and how high net worth investors can access securitized CPACE financing as or, or PACE loans essentially for their investment portfolios. We'll talk about all that today, but before we dive in on PACE, a bit of background on my guest today, Ali. A lot of my audience of high net worth investors and advisors are likely already familiar with Nuveen. It's a big name, but perhaps they're not quite clear on Greenworks Lending, now Nuveen Green Capital. Can you tell me about Nuveen and what your role is there? Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the um, chief investment officer of Nuveen Green Capital. We're a specialty finance platform um, focused on uh, commercial property assessed clean energy. I know we'll get into what that is. Um, but essentially, my co-founder and I started a company called Greenworks Lending back in uh, 2015. We had met uh, through a state agency called the Connecticut Green Bank, which, which was really one of the first um, states to set up um, a commercial PACE program. So she and I worked on um, setting up really the first ever successful commercial PACE program on the public sector. Um, we then left the Green Bank. We kind of looked at each other towards the end of, of 2014 after the team at the Connecticut Green Bank had put together this very successful commercial PACE program, but in a very small state in Connecticut. We kind of looked at each other and said, there's a huge need for this um, type of financing to upgrade commercial buildings, make them greener nationwide. Um, and nobody has really been able to, able to figure out how to bring the capital in um, and meet that with the demand on the building owner side. So in 2015, uh, we left the state of Connecticut and started uh, a company called Greenworks Lending, really with the goal of building out PACE as an asset class nationwide. Um, so bringing it to institutional investors and, um, and also being able to bring more and more competitive capital to, um, to the commercial real estate industry across the country. We were the first ever to securitize um, commercial PACE in a rated structure. So basically kind of um, creating a structure that a rating agency said, this is an investment grade product. Um, and we sold those bonds to Nuveen um, in 2017. Um, and since then um, have continued to build up a, a nationwide platform for originating um, and, and managing on the investment side, commercial property assessed clean energy um, clean energy loans. They're not technically loans, but I'll call them loans throughout the show because I think that that will be helpful 
for, for your listeners. Um, and then in 2021, um, we saw in front of us a tremendous amount of opportunity in the, in the CPA space. Um, what we saw were more and more states were passing policies and passing programs. So the market size was just expanding quite rapidly. Um, we saw building owners really wanting to um, reduce their carbon footprint, reduce their operating expenses, and commercial pace um, is a really great way to do that. So we saw just a ton of deeper demand when we were going into states. Um, and we we realized that um, that we wanted a strategic partner. And so it was kind of, we, we did run a process, but it was kind of a no-brainer at the end of the day to partner with, with Nuveen um, as our acquirer since we had known them since 2017, had a really great working relationship with them. <clears throat> and then from Nuveen's perspective as I'm sure most of your listeners know they're a um, they're an asset manager with a tremendous amount of assets under management on the fixed income side. They're very focused on responsible investing um, and very, very focused on building out um, alternatives in the fixed income space. Um, our parent is a U.S. Um, essentially regulated as a U.S. life insurer. And so it's really important for them to have um, to have differentiated sources of uh, fixed income um, and owning that um, and owning that value stream from top to bottom. And so they were really excited to partner with us at the same time. Um, since we've been acquired, um, our, our platform has um, has pretty much doubled from or, or nearly doubled from from every um, from every measure, just in terms of our our team, um, our balance sheet, our assets, um, our the underlying assets that we manage. So um, so it's been a, a really great partnership. We were acquired in 2021. Um, my co-founder and I continue to operate the business. Um, I, I focus more on the um, investment side. She and she focuses more on the origination side. Tremendous. Well, thanks for the background there on on Greenworks Lending and how you uh, became acquired by Nuveen. Is it now your Nuveen Green Capital? Let's turn our focus now to PACE or Property Assessed Clean Energy or, or in particular Commercial PACE, C-PACE. What is it exactly? What is PACE financing exactly? I'm curious not only about what it is and how it works, but also why it exists in the first place. Can you explain to me in layman's terms? Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, it stands for commercial CPA stands for commercial property assessed clean energy. Um, essentially, the way it works is a state will say we believe clean energy is a public benefit. So it will allow individual property owners to create their own special taxing district. I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with um, special assessments, but just just in case they're not, um, in case they don't own their properties, basically, uh, sometimes a state will create a, a special taxing district and they'll temporarily increase property taxes in that area to finance things that are beneficial to that, to that micro district. So you can think about proceeds being used for a new school, for sewer lines, sidewalks. So they'll basically assess the, the community that will benefit from those upgrades. So probably about two decades ago, someone in, in Berkeley um, had the idea of using that mechanism um, to essentially create a long-term um, secure financing structure for clean energy. The problem with, clean, with many clean energy upgrades, especially on, on buildings and in particular on commercial buildings, is that it's really um, many of these measures tend to be long dated. So the paybacks are there. They tend to have very strong operational paybacks, but you're trading off a large amount of capital upfront for small but durable operational savings over a, over a relatively long period of time, many of these measures will pay back within seven to 15 years. And many building owners won't stay in their properties that long. So if you're a commercial building owner in particular, you're looking at that map and saying, you know, I'm good. 
I'm going to um, invest in shorter payback measures, or I'm only going to do like the, the lowest hanging fruit in terms of energy efficiency. I'm going to use that money to invest in, in things that will make my property immediately more attractive to tenants um, or to whoever is renting my property or however the property will be used. And so what PACE does is it enables, um, it enables investors to come in, um, lend against a, a senior assessment on a piece of real property, which enables them to create long-dated uh, financing um, and provide that financing upfront to building owners who want to um, install solar energy efficiency or resiliency measures on their properties. Um, and basically we're lending against, as a lender, we're lending against a, a property tax assessment. So even if that owner sells the property, if they go into distress, if they lose the property, the assessment will stay on the property, just like any other special tax assessment until it's paid off. And so that creates a tremendous amount of, um, of security for investors. And it also allows us to go out and, as you mentioned, tap the securitization markets, which um, provides much lower cost of capital to these building owners. And so it all comes back to that public policy um, that's passed at the state level, and then it's implemented at the municipal or county level. They're the ones billing and assessing for, uh, for the special assessments and then remitting those funds back to us as the investor. Um, and it's and all of the proceeds have to go to something that the state has deemed as a public benefit. So there is that impact for investors and also uh, building owners are um, are upgrading their property in a way that's um, reducing their operating expenses or making the property more resilient. Got it. OK, so and is there I've got a few questions. Are, yeah. Is there any oversight from the federal government whatsoever? And you say that that this stuff happens at the state level and then is administered within each municipality, are, are all of the states offering some sort of PACE financing? Or are there some holdouts that that haven't hopped on the, the PACE bandwagon yet? So there are about three dozen states. Um, and actually, most of the major um, most of the major commercial real estate is is under now a, a state level uh, commercial PACE program. Um, so the number of states are, are growing year over year. Um, when we started, there were actually thinking back in 2015, I think there were three to four states that had policy. So it was a much smaller market size. It's, it's rapidly expanding. And it's been a really popular policy, especially um, with, um, with things like COVID hitting the commercial real estate market. And now things like the, the regional banking crisis also um, having impacts on the, on the commercial real estate sector. PACE is a great alternative form of liquidity for, for commercial uh, real estate owners that want to upgrade their properties or, or build a new building. Um, so in terms of how it's the oversight and, and how it's regulated, really that's done at the state level. So the state will pass the policy. They'll then appoint an administrator. That administrator might be the state itself. It might be a nonprofit or a for-profit that the state has kind of deemed to, to run the program. What that administrator is doing is setting the rules of the road. So essentially saying these measures are eligible under the PACE law. They're actually approving every CPACE project. So every, every PACE project will be reviewed for essentially compliance with the underlying state law. Um, and, um, and we're actually on top of that um, getting, um, getting our own legal review um, to ensure that the measures that are being installed are compliant with the law. Because again, that is where we're getting that, that fundamental security that makes this look and feel so different from other commercial real estate investment opportunities. So that piece is really important. Um, but it is it is regulated at a state level. Yeah, so there's no there's no oversight from the federal government whatsoever. Then it sounds like. 
So on the origination side, it's really at, at the state level. Um, and then when we go and we securitize the assets, those are regulated, um, those those bonds, right, essentially are regulated the same way other securitizations sure. would be would be regulated. Yeah. Sure, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, now, what are the, uh, you hinted at some of these uh, differences between PACE financing versus more traditional financing options, but from a developer's perspective, what are some of the benefits of going after PACE compared to just going off a more traditional loan from their bank or other sources of financing? Yeah, so it's it's just a very different, um, it's just a very different amortization profile, right? So most uh, bank products um, would be shorter term or they would have a balloon amortization at the end with the exception of a few mortgage products. And those are fewer and far between now um, for the commercial real estate sector. So with PACE, we're able to go out and, and lend against their uh, their commercial PACE project um, again, this would be for things that are benefiting the building, um, energy efficiency, renewable energy, or climate resiliency, um, and provide them a long-term fixed rate amortization schedule. So um, again, depending on the measures and depending on the state, um, we will typically go out for about 20 years, and that's a fixed rate amortization um, on the property. They don't have to pay it off if they sell it. It stays with, it runs with the land. Um, and so, and depending on the depending on the property type, depending on their leases, they may be able to pass the cost and the savings through to their tenants, which is another benefit to PACE versus other forms of financing. So longer amortization schedule. Uh, what about the the rate? A typical rate on a on PACE financing? How does that stack up? Yeah, it, it really has varied quite a bit. Um, it's it's kind of bounced around a. a um, Kind of like a mid-market commercial mortgage, and and that's that's been a little bit variable for a couple factor for a couple of reasons. So so one um, when we started, right, this was a brand new asset class, and so getting investors into the asset class because of the the kind of lack of track record and lack of liquidity was was more of a challenge. And so rates did tend to be have a premium on them um, relative to um, relative to mortgages or other types of commercial real estate financing. As that's changed, so there's been over $5 billion of uh, commercial PACE originations done nationwide. So the liquidity premium has started to come down, but of course rates have started to go up. Um, and so um, and so I would say today, you know, we're probably competitive with a, um, with a mortgage from, say, a, a kind of institutional debt fund, for instance, or institutional private capital. So it, it, I guess... The, the the marketplace seems to be maturing a little bit of the the um the industry the ability to do pace financing it's been around for a little while now it's becoming more familiar uh so the the risk has become a little bit lower but at the same time interest rates have been climbing up the past 18 months so that's kind of negated any offset in uh in in what might have happened with interest rates otherwise is that kind of what you're saying there that's right. Yep. And and today we're lending at between seven and, and eight percent. And that's all variable depending on, you know, where treasuries go and um and where investors are demanding spreads. But yeah, and you mentioned that pace financing is available for I think you said uh clean energy or or climate resiliency. What what other what other types of assets are eligible to receive pace financing if if you're a developer or building a new building? Yeah, so um, so when we're going out and we're originating um, CPAS assets, basically we're looking at um, we can we can really lend to any commercial property, and then um, and the the measures that the developer or the property owner are installing 
that's um, that's going to be um, dictated by the state policy. So again, or, or the state administrator. So they're going to set out the rules of the road, um, what's eligible under under the state law. Um, and so that's going to set out kind of what we are going out to finance. On top of that, we're layering on our own credit work, right? So we we are going to be um, we're going to be lending to this property for 20 years because we're a special tax assessment. We don't accelerate. So unlike a mortgage, we can't call the full amount due if there's a default. Um, but of course, we don't extinguish. So we, we, we ride along with the property. We, we essentially toll with the property. So what we're looking for when we're um, when we're um, when we're making a, uh, making the decision to extend pace financing is really to ensure that the property is going to continue to to be operational for the most part. Um, that the value there will be tremendous shocks to value such that the underlying property value is less than what we've than than what our exposure is at that point in time. Um, so the way we screen for that are a couple fold. One is we'll screen out highly specialized use properties. So while those might be eligible to receive PACE financing under the state law from our own underwriting, you know, we don't necessarily want to be taking a tremendous amount of specialized operator risk. We might also screen out um, highly rural property um, locations for the same rationale, right? If if one property owner can't operate that property profitably, it's unlikely someone else will because there's just no population draw there. Um, so that would be another. And then the third thing we look at is um, is uh, environmental risk. So if it's a highly intensive environmental use, um, again, it creates a lot of risks that underlying long-term property value. So we'll screen out those use cases and properties with a legacy of um, environmentally sensitive uh, uses. Got it. And so, so that 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 goes to your underwriting, Nuveen's underwriting, what yeah. you're screening out. But I'm I'm curious, like what, you said, each state has its different eligibility criteria. But just like roughly, what types of improvements are required on some of these properties, or 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 what kind of installations need to happen on on new construction? Is it is it solar panels? Is it high efficiency? HVAC systems. I'm sorry, I'm kind of in the dark here, kind of a noob at this, admittedly. Sure. Yeah. So um, again, we'll depend on the state program, yeah. but um, but for the most part, anything that is increasing the energy efficiency of the building um, or is better than the underlying code in different states have uh, different requirements around what constitutes better than code. Um, you may need to be 20% better. You may not need to be just better than code. It just it, that is state dependent. Um, and anything that's producing clean energy on site, all of those things are typically eligible. Um, what that means in terms of new development, new construction, typically anything that's the guts of the building, so HVAC, um, heating, cooling, um, the envelope of the building, so insulation, windows, roofing, um, most of most of uh, those upgrades, um, assuming that they are compliant with the state requirements around um, energy efficiency, um, are, are eligible. And then in terms of what produces renewable energy, that's kind of your run-of-the-mill solar. A lot of times battery backup is also eligible, um, or you know, you can do kind of microturbines, or we, we see much fewer of those. Um, solar is definitely the main renewable energy upgrade that we see on, on properties. And then certain states will have resiliency. That, that really is state dependent. So um, Florida, for instance, allows hurricane hardening. Um, that's obviously of top of mind for, for Florida residents, especially with or, or Florida businesses, especially with the recent increases in uh, property and casualty coverage. Um, California uh, will allow earthquake resiliency, um, wildfire resiliency. Texas will allow uh, water um, 
water use reduction measures. So it really the, the resiliency piece really does depend on on the goals of the of the public sector. It's it's very local too. It sounds like which is which local. is great because different localities have have different needs, right? Um, how about uh, from a developer's point of view again? And we're going to shift gears and talk about uh, securitize CPACE in a moment and, and, and from the point of view of a high net worth investor, but still stick with in, sticking with the developer's point of view for, for another moment here. How does CPACE financing typically fit into the capital stack of, let's say, a ground up development or maybe a big commercial rehab or retrofit project? Yeah, so typically we're we're lending to um, we're lending to between twenty and twenty five percent of the um, of the capital stack. Um, we will go up to thirty percent um, depending on the project, um, but but we're also capped by what's eligible, right? So what's eligible under the program? So we say on average we're between um, twenty and twenty five percent of the capital stack, um, and then we're usually coming in alongside um, developer equity, right? So kind of we're, we're essentially kind of sitting in that mez chunk a lot of times. Um, so there's typically a, a senior lender alongside us and then also typically, you know, uh, 15 to 25% um, owner equity. Actually, recently that capital stock is starting to change quite a bit, as you might imagine, just given the, avail the availability of, of senior lending. Um, so we're seeing stocks with a lot more um, owner equity. I've seen stocks of 40% equity, which is which is really interesting. Um, and then more and more, we're seeing alternative sources of, of financing um, come into play alongside our CPA. So we're seeing more things like um, EB-5, um, tax credits being relied upon as a, as a main source of, of, of funding. And the senior lending piece is, is starting to shrink as a percentage of the capital stack. So we're seeing kind of more layers in the layer cake um, with, with capital stacks. And one thing we were talking about earlier, um, you know, I am surprised there, there have been um, between, we've got a portfolio of over 600 assets, 600 CPACE loans that we currently manage. Um, and I would say less than 10 of those have opportunity zone capital alongside. Um, so I think there's probably a big, a big opportunity there. Um, we tend to play nicely with alternative sources of capital. So, um, so I think there's probably a play, especially as other sources of, of financing um, are, are pulling back and borrowers do want alternative sources of, of liquidity. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. And uh, I'll admit, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about <laughs> PACE or CPACE <laughs> financing. That's part of why I was so excited to do this episode with you today, Ali, just so I could educate myself. And I know my, a lot of my listeners and viewers could probably use a little bit of education in this arena as well. But it, it does surprise me that more Opportunity Zone projects aren't taking advantage of PACE financing because the two programs do seem to pair really well together where PACE financing is really geared toward those ground up construction that's going to put in new clean energy type um, assets into the building. And then if you're doing a substantial uh, improvement or substantial rehabilitation or retrofitting project in an opportunity zone, a little bit tougher to do as an opportunity zone project, but you know, CPACE financing definitely worth a look as well um, in my point of view. What about the process for applying for PACE financing? What does that look like exactly? If, if I'm a developer, do I need to go to my municipality or do I come straight to Nuveen or what are Nuveen's competitors? You know, how does that look like exactly? Definitely come straight to Nuveen, none of our competitors. Um, <laughs> no, so um, one of the things that we have built up, right, even um, since, since we are one of the first movers in the industry um, and we did come out of the public sector, one of the um, one of the things we have built up internally is 
very detailed knowledge of, of every, um, every state program and every PACE program across the country. So our aim is to, to make this easy and straightforward for borrowers so they don't have to worry about getting the approval and, and knowing specifically which measures are eligible in Galveston, Texas versus Sacramento, California. There's a huge amount of difference, um, but we've basically built up that, that system internally. Um, so really, they should just approach uh, a CPACE lender. Um, that CPACE lender should be able to very easily help them size the, the project based on what they're doing and where, where it is um, and help them understand, you know, what the economics would look like, what the pricing is, what the amortization looks like, so that they can start to think about it as part of their capital stack. And you said earlier, I think you said, what was it, $5 billion of uh, CPACE lending has been originated to date? Is that about right? That's right. And I realize okay. I didn't answer half of your earlier question, which is the approval process. So, oh, right. <laughs> so basically, we would manage the, the, the underlying program um, would approve, would ultimately approve the, the individual CPACE financing. You would have to get if there is a mortgage lender on the property, a lender would have to consent. Um, and then, of course, we have to approve it internally. But our, 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 our team's job right, is to manage all of those pieces and, and help make sure it's running, uh, running track with the rest of the deal. So, yes, there are kind of underlying approvals. And I think that might be one of the reasons that um, we haven't seen it scale until scale with alternative sources of capital until more recently when um, commercial mortgages have started to really pull back with uh, the pullback in the um, in the regional banks um, providing mortgages. It is. It is a bit of a different process, right, than a, than a traditional mortgage. Again, it's become much more institutionalized. We've had hundreds of reps at this point. Um, states, state programs have now had um, dozens, if not hundreds, of reps, depending on how how big they are, right? So, um, it definitely has become more institutional for kind of macro factors, but also because the market has just, as you said, continued to mature. Yeah, have you seen uh, more applications over the past? few months here, given the challenges of, of finding traditional lending lately? Yeah, 100%. And, and I would say what's been really interesting is um, we are seeing, you know, previously it would be kind of whatever the pro forma, whatever the, the DSCR would allow. Um, building owners would say, okay, this is what the DSCR will allow. Typically, the senior lender would haircut that because they want to, again, because we are a special assessment, we don't extinguish. The amounts in arrears do come ahead of the senior mortgage or other financing on the property. So it's a little bit hard. It's been a little hard. Um, one of the things that, that's been a challenge since we started and has get, gotten easier with some of this disruption is um, educating that senior lender community on how this is different than, than something coming in and priming them, right? There is a little bit that primes them, the amount in arrears, but they're getting an upgraded property um, and they're getting to extend more leverage, right? For that small amount of subordination, they're extending a lot more flexibility to their to their borrower, and I think recently that started to click because they're much more constrained on the on the financing that they can advance to their borrowers, and so a lot of seniors are looking at us as a partner in the capital stack to say, you know, we want to fill out this capital stack. We're much more constrained than we were before. Our rates have gone up, right? So that's putting stress on on these pro formas. Can you come in and, and help us? And since we are able to do much longer amortization schedules. That helps kind of moderate some of the impact to um, to these performance as well. Um, so we're definitely seeing a ton more demand. A lot of that is um, much easier. A lot of that is also a lot um, more facilitated conversations with seniors. Some of that demand is coming in from senior lenders. Um, so that's been a big change. And again, we are seeing much more layers to the capital stack. 
we're seeing uh, much more, much stronger sponsors with a lot more liquidity that are injecting more liquidity into these projects because they have to. Um, so it's really interesting. I think um, one of the things I'm sure you're seeing this on 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 opportunity zones as well. I think this vintage of um, this vintage of, of financing and this vintage of deals that are able to get through this funnel, right, which has become kind of tighter on the bottom, will perform very well. I think. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how how we got used to, so used to the really cheap cost of debt for yes. over a decade, right? And now <laughs> the last 12 to 18 months, that's been turned on its head. And so developers and investors have to seek debt elsewhere. And I think CPACE is a, a pretty good landing spot. It sounds like to me, we're sitting here now in the middle of 2023. CPACE financing has been around for, Ali, tell, tell me how long it's been around for, about 10 years or so now, basically, and, and $5 billion originated. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what, are, what are some of the biggest challenges today in the CPACE industry as it, I, I feel like it's at an inflection point right now. It's, it's maturing. It's becoming more popular. It already had a lot of uh, momentum or tailwinds, as it were, um, given that it's just gotten more and more popular over the years. But now also, it's kind of a, a good outlet given the the current macroeconomic environment that we're in. But but what challenges does it face today uh, at this inflection point? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think it's probably better to be lucky than smart. And I think one of the reasons we were very lucky as a platform is that um, having sold to a large asset manager, we have a lot more flexibility around um, our sources of capital. And we also have a huge, um, we also have a huge distribution team to help us write structure, what we're doing, the vehicles we're putting these CPACE assets into, um, to different audiences and, and, um, and different uh, participants in the capital markets. So um, by being part of a very large diversified asset manager, we've also essentially helped to, um, to bring more competitive capital to our borrowers. Um, and so I think the challenge that the industry writ large is facing is because of the broad pullback in the commercial real estate sector, making sure that you've got, um, you're able to educate investors on why CPACE um, is different, right? So it's, a, it's higher in the capital stack. It, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't extinguish. Um, educating the capital markets on, on our underwriting, right? So we underwrite things a little bit differently than others and, and vice versa. So why that should protect us in a downturn, even with all the stress on commercial real estate valuations um, and the kind of growing um, growing noise about particularly the office sector, but also um, all of these commercial mortgages that will have to come due and be refinanced. I think you know most people looking at the market are saying that there's going to be quite a bit of stress in the commercial real estate market. So why CPACE is a you know, a higher, um, a higher quality alternative for investors to essentially rotate um, commercial real estate exposure into. I think we've been able to do that because we've got a very large platform behind us. Um, and also, you know, we've, we've been able to, um, to be at the forefront of the industry since, since we started. So I think the big, the big challenge is, is making sure that that story is, is getting messaged clearly so that as we see this demand on the origination side, we're able to match that with um, with demand on the investor side as well. Um, and I think that we've been able to do that uh, quite well. Um, and, um, but, I, but I know that that is a challenge with, with the industry writ large. Yeah, and, and speaking about being at the forefront of the industry, the firm that you co-founded some years back, Greenworks Lending, according to my notes here, became the first company to securitize CPACE-backed assets. Was that in 2017? Is that right? Uh, Let's talk about CPACE now as an asset class. These these securitized CPACE bonds, essentially, 
how should high net worth investors consider PACE as an investment opportunity? Yeah, so when we, um, one of the things that we saw when we started, when we started Greenworks was that not only was there a tremendous amount of demand on the, on the borrower side, but the trick was making sure that we could institutionalize CPACE as an asset class to reduce the cost of borrowing and, and really make it a repeatable and scalable uh, investment product, frankly. And so we always kind of were moving towards doing a securitization. And in order to do that, um, I'm sure your, your listeners know this, but in order to do that, you need sufficient scale um, to be able to convince a rating agency that they should rate this product, which hadn't been rated before, um, and to convince investors that they should put the brain damage in to underwrite this product, um, which hadn't, you know, which which they hadn't seen before. So, you know, I think the capital markets are great when you've got something that's been done many times, but to do the first capital markets transaction is expensive and takes quite a bit of quite a bit of education. And so we were able to do that. And I think some of the some of the reasons that that um, that we were able to do that was because there was so much demand for um, for for green products, so green investing products. Um, we we scaled up at a time when interest rates were very, very low. So investors were very willing to trade off illiquidity for excess yield. And I think that continues to be, um, you know, the story's changed a little bit. There is still a significant amount of liquidity premium in the product, I would say. One of the things that um, we hear from ABS investors is that it is a very attractive risk-adjusted yield because we are trading at a premium of between, very broadly speaking, 100 to 300 basis points over similarly rated, um, similarly, um, you know, risk, similarly risk compare, similarly comparable risks. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we are, we are more illiquid, we are longer term, but that does feel like a very, a very good trade-off right now for investors. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so we were able to to do that first pool, and since then um, we've done um, two private deals and and three public deals, um, and we continue to build out the the pathways to market. As I mentioned, working closely with the Nuveen distribution team to make sure that we're um, we're building out audiences across different types of investors. How does it compare to to other products? Or I guess <clears throat> more specifically, what other types of products? Um, does do do pace bonds get compared to? Is it is it corporate debt or corporate bonds or is it private credit or what what kind of ballpark you in there on a risk return scale? Totally depends on the investor. But if you think about what the underlying is, right? We're we're lending against a a, a property tax assessment. So in many cases, we're actually being compared to munis um, or um, or special revenue bonds. Um, in many cases, we're being comped to uh, commercial uh, commercial mortgages. Um, in some cases, we're being comped to just like the the cash flow profile. So I've heard comps to structured life settlements, which you would look at the underlying and think, how is that at all related? But just in terms of the long dated, very secure cash flows, the ultimate rating, um, you know, we're we're kind of broadly comped to any sort of se- secure, um, long dated um, investment grade product. Um, and so it really kind of depends on on where it's almost like a Rorschach test, like where we where we sit with investors. But I think to date, um, with our with our core investors, which have his, which have to date been U.S. life insurers, um, we're typically compared to investment grade corporates um, or to um, or to underlying commercial mortgages. Good. Well, Ali, we're we're starting to run out of time. It's been amazing uh, talking with you today. I've learned a lot about pace. I came in as a, kind of a newbie, and I, I think I. 
I, I know enough to be dangerous now. So I really appreciate your time and expertise. Just to zoom out a little bit before we conclude today's episode, I'm curious, given your expertise and Nuveen's position in the industry, I know you got to run in a couple minutes, so I won't keep you too long, but just want to get what you think or feel are some of the most important trends in the commercial real estate industry that investors should keep their eye on. Yeah, I, I think it, it's one of, um, it's kind of like the, the ability to, um, to overlook headlines and, um, and find the, you know, find the gold amongst the, amongst the sand, right? I think we're in a, we're in an, um, an unprecedented uh, commercial real estate market for sure. Um, but I do think that there are opportunities to find very high quality projects, super high quality sponsors, and liquidity is being pulled out from the market uh, very, very broadly. And so the, those projects are probably, um, the, the risk is probably overpriced in those projects, right? And so I think it is a really, if you if you have um, the ability to roll up your sleeves and, and actually assess projects on a project by project, really geography by geography basis, um, I think it's going to be a time where investors can do can do very well um, in the in the commercial real estate sector. You know, am I am I lending regular am I like waking up and, and running towards lending and in, in, to office space in San Francisco, which has structurally lost, you know, like hundreds of thousands of daily workers? Absolutely not. But I think that um, I think that there are a lot of opportunities because of the, the headlines um, to find um, to find really strong projects, really strong sponsors, and get um, and get paid quite a bit for um, for kind of putting yourself out there in this market. Excellent. Well, Ali, this has been great. Thanks so much for sharing your insights today. Before we go, can you tell our listeners of high net worth investors and advisors where can they go if they're interested in learning more about you and Nuveen Green Capital? Yeah, definitely go to to our website to start. I'm happy to provide my contact information uh, for your for your listeners as well. Um, and yeah, I think our, our website is a treasure trove of information. Jamie, who I know you've met, um, keeps everything very up to date. Um, and we also have a very active LinkedIn page. So please follow us and, and like our content. Um, our team works really hard on it and um, would definitely appreciate feedback and, and, um, and the engagement. So thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me. Fantastic. And for our listeners and viewers today, show notes will be available on today's episode at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. There we'll have links to all of the resources that Ali and I discussed on today's show. And please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes. Ali, thanks again so much. Really appreciate your time today. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.